Welcome to Cinema Convos. This is the show where we bring guests with different tastes in film to have a meaningful discussion about the art of cinema. I'm your host, Yash, and I'm here with our special guest, Arsel. Today, we're discussing the film The Shining from 1980, which was directed by Stanley Kubrick and written by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson. And it's, it was starring uh, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd. And the shine, in The Shining, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. And before we get started today, I wanted to issue a quick spoiler warning for The Shining. Uh, if you have not seen the film, we recommend checking it out uh, before listening to this episode. And also, before we get started, I wanted to mention our guest Arsal is part of his own podcast called Controller Cast, and I wanted to give him an opportunity to talk about it and let us know what it's all about. Yeah, hey, how's it going, everyone? Um, really, you know, excited to be on here. Me and Yash have been talking about this for a few months, actually. But yeah, Controller Cast is kind of all about different pop culture events, um, as well as different movies, uh, games, TV shows, top fives. We kind of cover a bunch of different things. You know, movies are obviously a big part of it, but we also just talk about, you know, maybe if there's a new movie coming out, like we just reviewed The Batman, great film. So good. Um, I know. <laughs> great film. Yeah. Uh, not as good as The Dark Knight, I don't think. Oh, absolutely think, not. Uh, yeah. But I think I like Rises a little bit better too, honestly. But I'm a, I'm a diehard Nolan trilogy fan. So for me, that those are always the Batman movies to beat and it might never happen. But, uh, yeah. but it was very good. It's still very good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did like it a little bit better than Batman Begins, but anyways, <laughs> like that's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we we talk about things that are old. We talk about things that are new. It's really kind of just what interests us. Um, I think you know we're gonna try to have Yash on the show as a, a special guest uh, coming up soon. You know, try to find a topic that we all enjoy. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, just I think um, definitely check it out. I think the main kind of driving interest is just uh, the three co-hosts, all three of us, me, Andrew and John, uh, kind of our interactions with each other, but also just, uh, you know, I think there's something for everyone in that show. We kind of talk about a wide range of topics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I listened to a few episodes and I just, I love how the the variety of topics you guys cover. It feels very like interesting and casual. Like you guys are just talking about what you guys have been watching and what you guys have been doing. And I think, I think it's a lot of fun to listen to. So definitely check out Controller Cast if, if you're listening to this episode. Well, we'll get started with our discussion now, and we'll start with our preliminary questions to get the ball rolling. So what's your first memory or best memory with this movie? Yeah, so first memory, you know, I, I did see this movie when I was super young. It was just something that was on TV, and, uh, you know, I was like 10 or 12, and it, it completely just, you know, just bounced off my head. But then around, I think, 2019, 2020, I uh, sat down and gave it a rewatch because I feel like um, specifically like uh, with like A24, uh, horror has been kind of going through a bit of a renaissance lately. Uh, so, you know, I was interested in seeing The Shining because I think Stanley Kubrick is, was so ahead of his time in like so many different genres. Uh, and that's when I rewatched it, um, you know, I was just blown away by it. And I actually think my favorite memory, and it kind of to me also like an indicator of like the quality of this film is, um, you know, my family hates horror films. Uh, they just think they're dumb. But uh, when they came out last summer, um, my brother was looking at it just what he wanted to watch a horror film. So I was like, let's watch The Shining. Um, uh, and, you know, slow, slowly uh, within the like first like 30 minutes, uh, my entire family just kind of sat down and they're, you know, they were just glued to the screen. Everyone was just sitting there in the living room in my apartment, just watching this movie. And, you know, we all loved it. 
Um, I think it's aged really well. Uh, and I think um, there's so much DNA in this film that carries over to so much modern horror. I think it's been, you know, it's one of the most influential films of all time. And um, it has become, you know, it just in the past couple of years, one of my favorites. And uh, I think it's a, it's my favorite Stanley Kubrick film. Uh, and I think it's probably the best horror film ever made, uh, which is funny because that was definitely not its reception when it first came out. Red rum. 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 Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of interesting topics with uh, yeah. <laughs> how this film is aged and how it first came out. And um, for my experience with this film, um, so 2017 was the year after the first time I saw a horror movie was Get Out, Jordan Peele's Get Out in theaters. Yeah. And also a great film. And before I saw that, I genuinely also was the same way, like, oh, horror movies are dumb. I don't think I would enjoy myself. I'll just be scared the whole same, time. Same. <laughs> um, but watching Get Out kind of opened my eyes that okay, maybe there's something here. If I just track, if I just avoid like the garbage, it's like the jump scare fest, and just like mm-hmm. look for the good, creepy, like genuinely kind of unsettling psychological horror films. Um, I would be more open minded to watching them. And I think it was October of 2017. Um, for one of my organizations, we had like a Halloween movie night, and my mm-hmm. friend had recommended The Shining. So that's the first time I watched it. And up until like this week, the only time I had watched it. Um, so I had to rewatch it because I had forgotten a lot of the, the things about it. And I actually have a copy of this movie because I bought like a Stanley, Stanley Kubrick collection, which has The Shining, Clockwork Orange in 2001. It was like less than $20. So like I picked mm-hmm. that up. Um, and my, th- my favorite time watching was probably this week just because I was like, oh, wait, this actually like the movie does not make sense 100 percent, no matter who you are. Yeah. Um, but you pick up on a lot of like foreshadowing and all these things when you watch it again. And for me, this isn't like one of my like all time favorite movies, but I think it's one of the most influential movies ever, ever made. And it's definitely worth talking about. Uh, I think that's true for a lot of Stanley Kubrick films. Um, but yeah. Uh, and I think like, um, and I mean, I was kind of in the same boat with you, like how you're saying get out was kind of like your moment of like, yeah, horror films are stupid. Uh, kind of like I was, I was not a, like a horror film uh someone that seeked them out really but um i kind of had that mo- moment with like hereditary i oh, don't yeah. know if you've seen hereditary I have, but i i had yeah. a like an a24 horror film like yeah. marathon once i started watching horror movies so i've seen most of their their major ones at least yeah, a few and, times yeah and that's kind of like when i started because yeah I, I do i don't like the the jump scare you know type horror films i do like when there's kind of that psychological dread you know that's kind of creeping throughout the whole film and it's not necessarily like oh, like this ghost is going to pop out of the corner and like scare you. Um, and that's kind of where I was like, okay, there's some depth and there's some sub- substance to this genre. Um, and that's where, you know, and specifically, yeah, with like A24 horror movies, like I think there is a lot of DNA that kind of does run back to The Shining. I'm sure you probably picked up on that too with some of the shots and yeah, uh, just the overall feeling of the film and you know, subject matter as well. I mean, yeah, with me, for me, like this movie, I think it just creates that feeling of like isolation that's like very uncomfortable and from the get-go you're like these three people are alone weird things are happening and that's already like enough to make me like uncomfortable throughout (laughs) um but also there's like a lot to analyze i mean yeah the the movie's never 100 percent clear about what's going on and i feel like one of my favorite aspects about it is just how the, (laughs) the atmosphere is very creepy um and it's like 
I think I like that in movies more. I like when they're more creepy than scary. Like I'm just yeah, like definitely. not comfortable. Um, but um, I always wanted to ask you, like, what are some of your favorite aspects of the film? Yeah, I, I think definitely one of them is kind of the mythos, uh, maybe not directly the film itself, but the mythos surrounding the whole film. Uh, I kind of, uh, I remember making this meme like uh, last year uh, when I kind of rewatched it, where it was just like, yeah, do you remember those memes where it was like, um, it's kind of that line of like a movie. It's like, oh, like halfway, like halfway through the line, you like, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And before that line, it's like, it's okay. I don't know. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just made this meme, but the line kind of went outside of the the film's po- the film's photo. And it was just like, this movie really sticks with you. And it's really, uh, it's something you, I feel like if you're really into it and you really love it, you don't really realize it until after you've watched it and you kind of like let it marinate with you for a little bit. Um, but I think definitely um, one of the best parts of the film is everyone's performance. Um, even, even the kid, I know a lot of people, uh, and Shelley Duvall, like I know a lot of people uh, that have criticisms of this movie, they d- tend to point towards those two actors um, and the quality of their performance. But I think um, they're all fantastic. And I do love the um, ambiguity of a lot of it because I think there's a lot of ways you can read the events of this film. I know there's people who like uh, take, you know, what's going on in this film. And you could, uh, some people will say like, oh, it's just cabin fever. You know, like he's, the dude is just losing his mind. Um, but then, you know, there's other interpretations. Maybe he's like a reincarnation of a previous, uh, you know, caretaker of the residency. Um, kind of, cause you know, kind of like the photo at the end of the film, like it's, it shows in 1921, I believe, or it's like a hundred years from now, um, that like a photo of all the minute, like my, my kind of reading of the film is, um, to some extent, the hotel has some sort of presence and it's alive, you know, like that iconic shot of the um the blood coming out of the elevator that's one of my favorite shots in cinema um yeah. kind of shows that this like a living almost creature like of a hotel and maybe whenever whoever gets succumbed to it or falls trapped ill to it um you know that's all that photo at the end to me is almost like a catalog of like everyone that's kind of been uh, taken over by this hotel and they kind of get put into that picture that's kind of like my own personal interpretation of it but there I've seen so many different interpretations and I think that shows like you know the depth of this film this movie is a rabbit hole honestly of discussion yeah if you if you go on the youtube rabbit hole of seeing interpretations of this movie there's so many mr grady you were the caretaker here i'm sorry to differ with you sir but you are the caretaker you've always been the caretaker I should know, sir. I've always been here. But I think for me, it's definitely like whoever comes to stay in this hotel, they're pretty much like possessed and like murder their family. Like that's basically what happens. Uh, But just to follow up on a couple of things you said, um, I think Jack Nicholson is really good in this movie, but I I do feel like I'm one of those people who has the criticisms about uh, Shelley Duvall. I don't know. some 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 of the way she says certain dialogue, I feel like, Maybe it's intentionally supposed to be kind of off and weird, but like, I feel like Jack Nicholson is like by far like the best actor in this movie. Um, yeah, and but I even I wouldn't go as far to say like the acting is bad from like Shelley Duvall and the kid, but I don't know. I don't. I I think it's it's very strange. Like maybe it's intentionally strange because I know Kubrick is like a perfectionist. He was a perfectionist, mm-hmm. so like I can only imagine how many takes they had of like different scenes. Um, so, yeah, I think the um, iconic, like, um, you know, give me the, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to bash yeah. your brains. Like, I think that, like, 
I don't know yeah. if it does anymore, but I think it held a record for like amount of takes uh, that they had to go back, you know, and it's a long shot, you know, like going through that whole room. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had to do it like 125 yeah. times or something like that. But in terms of both Jack Nicholson and this, the, the directing and cinematography of this movie, it's really well done. And it's enough to carry the movie for anything that's lacking in maybe on any other performance. Yeah. Um, but also I wanted to mention, you mentioned um, like the blood coming out of the, the hotel doors. Um, I think this movie actually reminds me a little bit of Parasite because the hotel itself feels like a character, like the house yeah. in Parasite is like a character, like it's mm-hmm. very much alive, just as alive as any of the characters in the movie. Um, I think that's really unique um, because I haven't visited this hotel in real life. I, my friend Zach, who actually co-hosts the show with me, said he's been. I um, have as well. Yeah. It's... yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'd be just like scared to go there. Like, <laughs> like what's going to happen to me if I'm in this hotel? Well, there's been a town that's been like built around the hotel now. So it definitely doesn't have that, um, you know, <laughs> like that uh, isolating feel to it. But um, yeah. I've, I've had friends go there that are super into like paranormal. Uh, I mean, John, one of the ho- hosts of the show, um, yeah. he, he's like super into like supernatural stuff like that. And he felt like that there was some sort of like quote unquote presence there. He like felt off. Um, so it's interesting how people can kind of have those sorts of experiences, especially like, uh, you know, even the real life hotel, like the room two, I think in the movie it's 237, but in yeah. the book it's like 267, something like that. Um, that's yeah. like one of the most popular rooms to rent. Like you have to like rent it like years in or uh, book yeah. it like years in advance. It's crazy. I would never stay in there. Just couldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> There's a limit to my my horror interest. Um, but speaking of the book, I have never read it, but I know like Stephen King like famously hated this movie. Um, I'm curious if you know more about that or if you like read the book or anything like that. No, I haven't read the book, but um, one of my closest friends, she has, um, and. It's interesting because, uh, you know, Stephen King, yeah, like very like infamously does not like. He like like uh, despises this movie. Yeah, yeah, he despises (laughs) the movie. But, you know, um, both in their own respect, you know, uh, are regarded as some of the greatest uh, pieces of their respective medium. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes back to like when you're making a movie about something that's based on a book, it doesn't have to match the book to be good. Right. Because I'll give I'll give an example of this. I have a few examples about this topic, actually, that I wanted to bring up. Like, looking at the Harry Potter movies, I think they did an exceptional job adapting the books. They took the most important part of these, like, super long, bulky books and, like, made movies out of them. And um, any criticisms criticisms you might have, I mean, the heart and the soul of the story are still there. The characters feel well represented. Um, And kind of the flip side of that has been the Fantastic Beasts movies, which, like, I don't think they're bad because I'm, like, a diehard Harry Potter fan. Yeah. But, like, I think it comes down to like screenwriting is not the same thing as like book writing. Cause like JK Rowling, when you read the Harry Potter books, they're very descriptive, right? There's like a lot of details, a lot of like lore and stuff. But when you're writing a script, it needs to be like, you need to get to the point fast. You know, you gotta like, mm-hmm. you have to move at a good pace. And I feel like she's writing in the same style that she wrote the books. She's writing these scripts. And that's why the movies feel kind of clunky when you watch them. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's an amazing example. And I mean, I would use another example. I mean, just from one of the episodes I watched, you talking about it, like, you know, taking inspiration or adapt- uh, adapting something like even like the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, like that's, um, that is very much uh, Nolan's interpretation of those characters and things. And it's amazing, but is it like um, the most, you know, faithful to the, to the comics? No, you know, uh, it really does come down to at the end of the day, I think execution, you know, and when you are writing a script, uh, a screenplay, there's so many more things you have to consider like pacing and 
Um, just, it, there's, there's so many more aspects to consider because it's a visual medium as opposed to something you're just reading. Dialogue plays a much bigger part in, in films just because in the book you can get inside the character's head. Um, I have another Stephen King example for this. I mean, I, I like both. I watched, um, I read Misery before I watched the film and they're completely different, but they're both great in their own ways. I mean, the book is like a, like explores the inner turmoil of this guy like trapped in a bad situation. And the movie is just like a straight up thriller and both are like excellent for what they set out to do. So I feel like, you know, when you're adapting a story I don't know how Stephen King feels about the Misery movie because that's also like an Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting because um, another, a very similar famous situation was um, another Jack Nicholson film, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The author like hates the movie for that. Um, so it's, yeah. maybe it's like Jack Nicholson in the 80s was just very, very bold in his film choices. Uh, but Yeah, like the, um, it's interesting. Some of the differences that Stephen King doesn't, uh, you know, I've seen him point out that um, he takes issue with or some of the reasons that I like really um, enjoyed this movie more, you know, like uh, one, two examples that just come off the top of my head are, um, you know, in the novel, Shelley Duvall's character, you know, uh, Wendy Torrance, she's kind of like really this uh, well put together, beautiful woman that's just, um, she just has her shit together. She knows what to do in like any situation. I, I kind of really like that in this, in the film, uh, Wendy is, a lot more just like an average person that just caught in this like a terrible circumstance doesn't know what to do another example is um you know jack torrance in the book he, you know his, his descent to madness is like it's very progressive and it's very slow and like at the beginning of the movie he's a family man and he's this great guy um but in the movie i mean right off the bat like he's kind of creepy from the start you know like uh, sure. and and that even opens up to me like interpretation like has this guy been kind of a a bad man well, before watch, the yeah, events of this movie watching it again it's like i realized like even before he becomes like a murderous like axe wielding like maniac he's kind of a bad dude like he's he's really mean to his wife and i don't know if it's like because he's becoming possessed or like but when she comes into his room while he's writing and he's like you interrupted my thought process it's like it's like dude you're being so harsh to this woman like and then they talk about how like he accidentally hit his son or like his he used to be like an alcoholic, like all these things come up and you notice them more when you watch it again. Yeah. And the, the whole first act is just like pure foreshadowing. Like, oh, there was, there was a murder here at one point. And like all these things that like come to come into play later. So I really yeah. enjoyed watching it again and seeing those like and almost it, hints about what's about to go down. And speaking of like foreshadowing, like there's so many just small details, like you said, like Kubrick is like a perfectionist um, early on in the movie. Like if you actually pay attention to like the floor plan and like how they walk around and things like that in the building, um, you know, when he goes into the, for that interview at the beginning of the movie, it's like a, you know, it's like a windowed room. You know, there's a window behind the guy that's interviewing him. But if you like pay attention to the floor plan, it's like that room is like in the middle of the hotel. Like it's impossible for, you know, there have to have been like a window, you know, looking out into the outside of the building and things like that yeah there's 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 so much to unpack in this movie and i i was watching one of those like ending explain videos on youtube and one of the comments was just like i think the best way to understand the shining is just to admit you don't understand it and like that's okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i totally feel that Um, there's a lot of movies that I don't think are meant to be understood in like one way and mm -hmm. I think this is definitely one of them and I would say I liked it more watching it again 
And um, so I think it's one of those movies I just need to watch again and again because I know there are some films I don't necessarily like that much the first time. And then I watch it again and I'm like, you know, most of Chris Nolan's library is like that. Um, that I like it more than the second time. Um, yeah, I, I think with like things that are open to interpretation, I think um, and uh, there's a movie that I really don't like, but it gave it really maybe learned this lesson about like um, ambiguity in films. Is this movie called uh, I'm, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, I think. I, um, I hated that movie. Yeah, I hated that movie. And, and I think the reason is um, like I, I like when movies are uh, have some sort of ambiguity, you know, I think it adds more depth to it. But I think you need to have some sort of basis of reality or some sort of basis of like something to latch on to to lead into that. And like, you know, like a movie like that, that's like ambiguous yeah I, I, i'm to. glad you brought it up because yeah. for months i've seen people just praising that movie and i was like well, no, i don't get it <laughs> it's yeah. it doesn't make sense it's boring it's like ambiguity is an art form in its own like you can have some ambiguity but if the entire film is just ambiguous it might not be entertaining like it might not have any <laughs> like i don't know that's that's I, I do criticize a lot of films for like being too ambiguous for my taste but there are those films that hit the right level of like okay there's, I know in like like there was that film um Annihilation yeah like I, I couldn't tell you what's happening in the last 20 minutes or so but like <laughs> yeah. you know there was enough I had enough basis of like the plot to like follow it and like understand some of it right mm-hmm. um, I think that's a level of ambiguity that I like um, but you're totally right I, I didn't like I'm thinking of any things and there was another movie called it was a 24 film I'm, I'll probably get some heat for this but there was one movie with Joaquin Phoenix you were never really here or something like that I haven't seen that, but I've, I feel like I've heard good things about it. Is it not yeah. good? I mean, <laughs> it's it. I dislike it for the same reasons I disliked. Like I'm thinking of ending things. So um, you know, definitely watch it for my own opinion. But to me, that was also another ambiguous movie that I felt like didn't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. That's one of my one of my super hot takes. I mean, there's not very many <laughs> of those. Yeah, I need to think of some of my own hot takes. <laughs> you watch enough films, you'll have them. I mean. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you said this is the best horror film, or like at least one of the best. Um, what are some other yeah. horror films that you you like um, besides this one that stand out to you? And I'll share some of mine as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think the reason I kind of come to that conclusion, yeah, which I do think it's like the best horror film is um, I think it just aged super well. And like when I watch so many horror films today, it just they just carry that um, at all roads like lead back to The Shining, you know, quote unquote. Um, but I think this is my favorite. Um, I've definitely, I have to say hereditary, uh, hereditary is fantastic. Um, that, that, that scene, you know, dude, I just scene, watched, I watched Ari Aster's like 30 minute short film. That thing is messed up, dude. It's called like the strange oh, he, about the Johnsons. Have you seen that? Uh, no, but I've seen some of his other short films like, uh, yeah. around that time. And they're just, uh, they're super, they're super weird. messed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I was just curious because it was on YouTube and I was like, oh God, I'm, I'm traumatized. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of his on YouTube. Yeah, they're yeah. super weird. You would never think yeah. like that guy would end up being, you know, directing something yeah. like um, Hereditary. Um, and he, his next movie actually, I think, has Walking Phoenix in it. Um, oh, the next but, one. Uh, I think it's called like Disappointment Boulevard. Um, well, I, but, I saw that Ari Aster wants to like try other genres besides horror not too long ago. So yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see that because um, I, I I guess it's a hot take. I really didn't like Midsummer. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I know Fawad, Fawad hates that movie too, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we and him have talked. About I like it. it. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a little overhyped, but it's good. So, like with that movie, I like saw it in theaters, um, and by the end, everyone was like laughing in the theater. So it just kind of just—it's weird. Yeah, it. yeah, it's it's a bizarre movie. I watched it with my brother, and we were watching it like in my game room, and I was like, I feel like like my grandparents were like nearby and i was like all the sex stuff starts happening and i'm like oh god 
Like, I hope they don't walk in right now. We have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, that happens. But um, there, uh, besides that, besides Hereditary, I also really love um the Lighthouse um okay. by by Robert Eggers. I think um that movie is that movie walks a very fine line in terms of like um being too ambiguous. Yeah, that was one of those films I thought was a little too ambiguous, but I still yeah. liked it. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. Um, I really like this is gonna be a weird one. I really like the strangers. Um, I know that one's not like super uh, critically acclaimed. Um uh, but those are just um some of the ones off the top of my head. Well, I think it you? comes back to like I think horror and comedy, like fear and laughter are so like subjective. Like you can't really look at reviews and like be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm gonna feel the same way about this movie. Yeah. There have been so many comedies that are like rotten and rotten tomatoes that are hilarious. Like yeah, <laughs> like we're the Miller is just one example. Like that's a really funny movie in my opinion, but it's all subjective. Um, but also what people find scary is subjective too. So yeah. Um, but when it comes to horror, I've I've been like I've watched all kinds of horror at this point. I mean horror comedies, horror thrillers, even some like foreign horror films. Like it's funny because I I've watched such a high variety of them. Like in the just like four years. Mm-hmm. um i don't know if i have a favorite i'm a big fan of the quiet place both one and two. Oh yeah I um, but those that. are almost more like thrillers but um yeah. I, I like one a lot more than two two was a little bit of a letdown for me yeah i don't know which one i like more i like them both for like different reasons um but looking through my horror list because i keep track of this because i'm like i'm actually watching this genre now yeah. um, anything stephen king usually i'll watch i've seen both the carrie movies i think they're both solid it i really like it it's it, yeah, the scariest it's, film. But... It's yeah, it's good. I think it's pretty creepy. It follows yeah. is really good. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, it follows is really good. Um, Psycho, one of my favorite films. Uh, let's see. Any, anything A24 has made, I've probably seen it. Seen all the yeah, Scream movies, all the Final Destinations. Like have you seen Under the Skin? Not yet. I need to. It's on my list. Yeah, I think that was the very first A24 movie, like ever. Uh that movie's I don't know if it's a horror, but it's um yeah, I heard it's, it's, it's very unique. It's one with Scarlett Johansson, right? Yeah, yeah, very probably her most unique role ever. It's um, okay. I, I, and that's the, I remember watching that when I was like 14, 15 and just being like, what the hell am I watching? Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the thing. I, I was very easily scared as a kid, so that's why, as an adult, I avoided horror for a while. And, yeah, I remember, I remember that when I was uh, when I used to live in Tomball, like, uh, yeah. Uh, we would always watch like uh, horror movies at like Bois or Beer's Place, and they would, I was yeah. you know I'm like three years younger than them, so um, uh-huh. or three years younger than like Bois, so I was always the youngest kid, and everyone always tried to scare me <laughs> watching all these movies. That was that was the same with me. I mean, I was friends with Bois, and all of our friends loved horror, and I was just like, please no, like, yeah, <laughs> like don't do this to me. But yeah, it's there's a wide variety. I'm a big fan of like the original Halloween. Like I love slashers. I like psychological thrillers if they're done right. That's usually the the caveat for any horror movie, whether it's if it's um, done right, <laughs> yeah. Like if it's if it's like done right, it's good. Um, but so many things. Like the thing is, I I watched this just to bring up slashers real quick. I watched the original Halloween with some friends recently, and I think that's a great movie considering how like low budget it is and like mm-hmm. how it does so much with just like like one musical score and you know directing and lighting. Um, but everyone's like well we've seen so many movies like this i'm like yeah but this is like one of the first that was like this the reason you saw so many is because of this movie um yeah and i mean i think horror films are probably like i mean i've tried to make like um like screenplays and write short films and like i I definitely feel like horror is probably one of the hardest genres to make yeah because you have to you have to put so much trust and same with comedy like you're just saying horror and comedy because there's so much uh of that you have to put 
into the reaction or like how the audience is going to feel about it like you need a story and then you also need like jokes or like scary moments like in your story like scattered yeah Um, you have to put some faith or trust into the audience i think more so than any other genre yeah which is why they're usually those two genres are very polarizing just because people have different interpretations like the the reason I bring Halloween up because I think The Shining did for like psychological horror what Halloween did for like slashers. Like it just paved the way for so many other yeah. uh, films and stories. I heard the new ones are pretty good too. Uh, the them, 2018 but... one was solid. The Halloween Kills was kind of kind of bad, <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was it was it was I saw it fun with it. Like it was like I mean, what do you expect? You know, it's like it's like a like the thousandth slasher movie they've made in history or something. Like yeah, my brother saw it. He said it's just like this dude like just. The character cannot be killed, like very, he takes very, out the whole town. Very yeah. dumb, and yeah, Michael Myers is just in, invincible at this point. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I think this movie definitely is very influential to this, especially like the A twenty four wave we're seeing. I mean, The Shining definitely plays a part in that, as we've already mentioned. Um, but another yeah. thing I wanted to mention is that, uh, funnily enough, after I saw this movie, I saw not too long after I saw Ready Player One, which has like a whole oh, like, yeah, like, yeah. Shining mm-hmm. sequence yeah <laughs> i was like hey i get that reference i was like captain america you know like yeah <laughs> um but i think it plays into like how this movie's influenced pop culture so much i know zach wanted to mention the treehouse of horror episode of the simpsons which i've i've seen but i've seen so many episodes of the simpsons i don't really remember it yeah and he said he wanted to mention that like he thinks it's one of the like best parodies he's ever seen um and he, he used to watch like every halloween Yes, by cutting off cable TV and the beer supply, I can ensure an honest winter's work out of those low lights. Sir, did you ever stop to think that maybe it was doing this that caused the previous caretakers to go insane and murder their families? Hmm, perhaps. Tell you what, we come back and everyone slaughtered, I owe you a Coke. Hmm, cable's out. Think I'll have a beer. Hmm, not a drop in the house. What do you know? Homer, I'm impressed. You're taking this quite well. I'll kill you! I'll kill all of you! Homer! Sorry. Sorry. Don't worry. There's plenty I can do to keep myself occupied. Maybe I'll check out that axe collection. See you later. Mom, is Dad gonna kill us? We're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, Yeah, there's so many moments uh, from this movie that have become, like, part of, like, pop culture, um, you know, just the zeitgeist. I mean, like, we haven't even talked about, like, the iconic uh here's johnny like you know uh, yeah um there's so many like iconic scenes well like he's frozen so. in the ice that's like a meme now i forgot that was a meme yeah and it, it's so funny because i guess one thing i wanted to maybe talk about was like i don't know if you've seen but like when this movie first came out it was just i mean it was considered a bad film you know yeah, like, it, there, were, it, there were bad reactions initially it was from what um, i've read about yeah it was like nominated for rat like a few different razzies um which is like is insane like i think this movie more than any movie is like insane to see uh how the reception has completely changed because i mean even like i see uh in 2018 you know the united states national film registry um like they inducted it into it's like hall of fame for being culturally historically or aesthetically significant which is like a lot you know Mm -hmm. i can't even think of like (laughs) a movie nowadays that'd be nominated for razzie and get into that spot it's interesting because um I feel like it goes back to Kubrick just being like very experimental because I, I did an episode with my friend for 2001, uh, oh, which, yeah. is, which is, um, you know, I, th- I feel kind of similarly about it. I don't necessarily like love the movie, but I can see why it's so influential and important. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was telling me about like how when they premiered like the initial version of the film or something like that, they're like people are like, were like walking out and things like that. So 
is a yeah that's a very slow movie yeah <laughs> i mean like 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 yeah it's a slow movie but like that that kind of thing i feel like happened to kubrick a few times um just because he really pushed the boundaries and whether you love or hate any of his movies you're gonna watch something different and i yeah. feel like the closest thing we have to that today is like chris nolan just because he makes unique films like it doesn't always have to be yeah, good or 100%. bad but like they're always different right i feel yeah. like there's there's a lack of innovation in cinema nowadays just because everything's a prequel reboot sequel mm-hmm. remake whereas very few of those are like as good as whatever they're trying to emulate um the yeah. only example i can think of was that i actually liked um, the new west side story i liked more than the original but that's like the only example i can think mm-hmm. of in like the last few years um, yeah i think um yeah i i really think kubrick was so uh, ahead of his time for a lot of his films um and like you said like very experimental i mean like um 2001 i like it's probably like it should be in the conversation for you know some of the most important films of all time. I personally don't you know like love 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 it. Yeah, uh, I, think I, it's a mean, great I, film. I mean I agree. It's it's it is pretty slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a great film, but like you know that's like a perfect example of like you would not believe that that movie came out fifty years ago. Yeah, like, like nineteen sixty eight. Like the special effects are so yeah. well thought out and they hold up so well. Yeah, and that, like that's even, the most impressive part for me for that film. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably, like, for me personally, I think he's probably in the conversation for, like, uh, like top five directors of all time, uh, just because of, like, so how ahead of the curve I feel like he was in so many regards, you know, it sucks that um, yeah. he passed away, like, um, right after Eyes Wide Shut, but I think, yeah, like, you know, you're saying, like, Nolan, um, I think Nolan is, like, definitely carrying that baton, um, I think recently Denis Villeneuve, yeah, um, Denis I Villeneuve. think um, mm. he's been uh, fantastic, I think he's definitely moving up there. Um, I think um, I think I think Prisoners are, is one of the best films I've seen in the last few years. Yeah, I, I absolutely love Prisoners. Uh, Blade Runner twenty four. Oh yeah, Arrival. Arrival was also by him. That's a great film too. Yeah, Sicario. Yeah, um, the Sicario latest Dune. Uh, I, I personally think my favorite of his is either like yeah, Prisoners or Prisoners um, or Arrival for me probably my top two. But I like all of his films that I've seen. Yeah, I would I say probably Prisoners or Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I love that film as well. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I think um, both of those directors specifically are kind of really carrying that mantra or like that I- mm-hmm. those ideas and aesthetics um, that yeah. Stanley Kubrick really laid down. And I mean, I'm really excited for obviously like Dune Part 2 and um, Oppenheimer, yeah. which every single day there's someone yeah. new added to the, the cast. The cast is <laughs> insanely massive for that. Like that's, it's wild. Um, I just saw Josh Peck from like Drake and Josh. Yeah, Josh, Josh Peck is in the cast. I was <laughs> yeah. pretty surprised to see that. Uh, yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. adult from Drake and Josh to a Nolan film. Yeah, and I'm excited for like Nolan uh, particular, like to go back to mm-hmm. something that seems a little more uh, character driven. I feel like that was like kind of the yeah. one thing missing with like his two most recent films. Uh, I feel like with his, with his films, it's always, he's always doing a new genre. Like Tenet was a spy film. Dunkirk was a war film. Inception is like sci-fi, Dark Knight comic book movies. He's always like trying to do something new. Now he's doing like a biopic type of film, which probably will be like have his own take on it you know it won't be a conventional biopic probably mm-hmm. um yeah, but he'll look, probably do it out of chronological order oh yeah, yeah <laughs> the guy is obsessed with time i mean we, anyone who's seen any of his films oh yeah i mean interstellar was like his space movie and yeah. he i know Very he has a, a lot of 2001. he he's even said like he you know 2001 was a big inspiration for that film mm-hmm. um but yeah i i think with stanley kubrick um since my last kubrick episode i have watched like three or four of his films um yeah. We did 2001 a little while back, but um, I will say my, my two favorite films from him are actually A Clockwork Orange and Full Metal Jacket. Um, I, yeah, think yeah. A, I think A Clockwork Orange, I had avoided watching for a long time because I'm like, this, this sounds more horrifying than like a horror movie. <laughs> like, this, like I heard about <laughs> it. Um, 
Um, but I watched it and yeah, it was super weird and like disturbing, but it's, it's brilliant. It's all about like, you know, what makes us human and like the, the free will of, of our thinking and all that kind of stuff. And it's also based on a book, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember anything about like the author, like hating the movie or anything like that um, for that one. Yeah. Full Metal Metal Jacket Jacket. Is, is insane. It's just, uh, it feels like three movies in one. Um, yeah, that's kind of my main uh, kind of gripe with it. I feel like I feel like yeah. the begin the first half of the film is a lot stronger than the second yeah, half. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. The first half but is definitely the strongest. Clockwork Orange, I feel like I need to do like a rewatch of because I saw that like mm-hmm. like six seven years ago, and um, that's also like that's a to me the one thing that movie was like lacking was I feel like that was a movie that's just like you're really expecting like some sort of twist at the end. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, there's, like, real, uh, there's really no twist. It's just like oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i do love the ending shot of the film yeah and then i watched uh one of his films from the 50s paths of glory um which is also a very good film yeah i want to watch uh dr strange love yeah i saw that one as well to me here's my thing with dr strange love i don't think it's a bad movie or a great movie i think it's one of those movies that's it's a satire of its time right it's made in the 60s yeah and i feel like whenever i watch a movie, that's an older satire yeah um, i recently watched to be or not to be which is another um, satirical film from the 40s i feel like when it's a satire about a different time period it's hard to get in the same like headspace of like modern times now then dimitri you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb the bomb dimitri the hydrogen bomb well now what happened is um one of our base commanders he had a sort of well he went a little funny in the head you know just a little funny and uh, he went and did a silly thing well i'll tell you what he did he ordered his planes to attack your country uh, well let me finish dimitri well, i feel like something like don't look up is not going to age well yeah, I, <laughs> like, I saw I saw on your episode you didn't like that film. I actually was one of the people who really liked it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I could see why it's 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 pretty in your face. So I understand some of the yeah. criticisms. Of, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that's a good example. Like maybe in like forty years, people won't be like, oh, like this is a great movie because like it's not really relevant to today's issues and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, um, I've seen those six so far, and I I think he's only made he only made like. 13 14 films total yeah eyes wide shut that's one i've also been really wanting to watch i yeah. haven't around to it i need to watch that because it's, it's his last one right it's the last one he was yeah. able to do and tom cruise it's like very tom interesting cruise. like kind of <laughs> you know role yeah. for tom cruise i feel like mm. yeah i know another director i've been watching a lot of his work recently is paul thomas anderson um, oh yeah great, great i think director. he's he's making some weird weird stuff too but same thing i feel like every film i watch from him is completely different it's not he, he, he's there will know, be blood right there will be blood boogie okay. nights um i always get him confused with uh, wes anderson yeah, yeah, the, yeah. they're different <laughs> for sure yeah wes very anderson, different like the, the kooky like yeah i just colors. saw licorice pizza that was okay. interesting <laughs> yeah that was a weaker pta in my yeah. opinion um i i was a bigger fan of i think boogie nights is my favorite from him there will be blood is one is amazing i yeah. think that's a fantastic i need to rewatch it because i feel like i watched that when i was quite young didn't really oh, yeah. fully appreciate it but uh, i need to watch it again yeah paul dano that was like his first big role i feel like paul dano he's, i'm glad he's having his moment because he's been slept on for too long he's such a good actor <laughs> yeah yeah he's always kind of played a second fiddle or like a very mm-hmm. like strong supporting character yeah. I, i'm glad to see him kind of i recently watched in. i watched a little miss sunshine he has a, a supporting role in that and that's a really sweet and wholesome movie 
Paul, young Paul Dano is in it. <laughs> he's the the Riddler. Yeah, he's always in some like weird, like kind of unsettling roles, like even like prisoners. Yeah. Um, That's kind of his like niche, though. He just he has yeah. to play like the weird guy. <laughs> like, cast. Like he doesn't <laughs> talk in the sunshine, and he um. I'm pretty sure he was in 12 Years a Slave, too. Like, he's just always the weird, like, kind of annoying guy. But he's so, he's so captivating. <laughs> yeah, he is in 12 Years a Slave. I forgot about that. Something I didn't really notice the first time I watched it, but this movie has a really good score, I think. It really, like, heightens a lot of the tension. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to ask, like, do you feel like, like, what do you want to say about the score in this film? And also, like, maybe scores in other horror films? It's funny because it's not, the score is not even something that I would, like, um, kind of think of, like, off the top of my head when... Uh, when I'm thinking about this film, but I'm glad you mentioned it because like, I love when scores really kind of had this build up to them, you know, like uh, going back to Nolan, I know we keep talking about Nolan, but uh, uh, like specifically like the dark Knight, Um, I love the score in that film. It, that, that film almost has like a score of like a horror film at times where it's like this like slow yeah. progressive build up, you know, um, mm. you know, and I think that's a pretty common in horror films in general, where there's this like slow progressive build up of, this dread, you know, uh, that's kind of looming into the background. Um, the, there's yeah. not like a specific like piece uh, that right. like, I'm going back to in this film, you know, maybe like something like recently, like the Batman's like theme, but I, I think it's very additive as, as opposed to something that's like, that takes over your experience. If that makes yeah, sense. It's, it's never like a, you never need to have a great score to have a good movie, but it can make, it can make a good movie. Great. Almost if it's like done right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for sure, I think, I think watching this scene, like, I don't know, there'll be like a scene where like, they're just people sitting in a room, but like the score makes it like terrifying because like, it's like, it's like almost warning the audience that something's about to happen. Here's Johnny. Yeah, specifically, I think like um, the two things that really carry over um, to modern horror films from this film are like, I think the, the soundtrack, that is one, uh, how the sound is used. But also, I think specifically, I think the cinematography in this one mm. is amazing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interest. Like, I think it, the cinematography is done so well. And also, like, the shots are very well thought out. Like, there's lots of just like looming shots of the hotel or like even just like the carpet or the walls, but like it's done in a way that just works really well for what the movie's trying to do. Yeah, I love the long, uh, it's a technique I've been seeing uh, cropping up more and more, um, specifically it's used really well. I'm like, um, I don't know if you've seen Euphoria. Um, I, I that, have, I have yeah, all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, see, uh, I mean, storytelling aside, I think like uh, technically that show is also like amazingly used, but I, I love like kind of like the slow, um, there's a, I don't know if there's a name for that specific shot, but like kind of the slow zoom in, like a lot of Kubrick films did that. And so like kind of been propping up a lot more in like horror films, but just A24 in general, kind of like that slow creeping pan in for um, really, it really gets you into the, the zone of that specific maybe thing that it's zooming in on. It really makes you focus on the imagery at hand. Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, I mean, I think A24 films have definitely adapted that like, both the cinematography and also like just like the uncomfortable almost quiet mm -hmm. but not quiet like sound design but yeah i i think um cinematography is a huge part of this film aside from just sound design and acting and i think it's it just creates an atmosphere really well i've always i've always said i like the horror movies that have a good atmosphere yeah and mm -hmm. i think this is one of the ones that definitely has a really solid atmosphere yeah. from the from the second it starts yeah you know, and 
Mm-hmm. That just kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier at the beginning. It was just like, you know, that's what makes like um, great horror films. It's like you have uh, this this tension, this atmosphere, right. this creepy atmosphere throughout the whole film, you know, right. this unsettling feeling throughout, as opposed to a specific, specific instances of horror where something pops out and scares you. Right. It's like the tension, the perfect horror film for me has like, has consistent tension and atmosphere and also has like payoff. And I think this movie has both like, you know, the payoff is him like chasing his son in like like the maze or whatever. (laughs) That's the payoff moment. But the tension leading up to that is what makes it worthwhile. Yeah. I think Hereditary did that really well also where like, you know, people are like being lit on fire and stuff and like that <laughs> um, but like the whole time i'm like this there's something wrong with this family like there's deeper things that are causing un- discomfort and then like the supernatural stuff just makes it like worse yeah and that's kind of like i i think um it's funny that like this and hereditary are like my two favorite uh like horror films because they, they have so many i feel like parallels uh where um i think also like the subject matter of this film and and hereditary what makes them so great is um, yeah, there's that unsettling uh, presence or feeling uh, throughout the whole film, but uh, the heart of the film or the, the subject matter really is like this, uh, this family collapsing on itself, you know, like the yeah. issues, like you said, there's, there's more to it. Um, Have you seen the just, film, um, The Babadook? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that one, that one also has like, I feel like a lot of deeper themes going on. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think, I think probably like the best way to like sum it up is like, you know, you can't just have the supernatural the supernatural i feel like uh has to be almost kind of be like the straw that breaks the camel's back you know there there has to be issues kind of um fundamentally like on a on a on a grounded level that people can relate to you know um i think there's things that are relatable like um you know like on a relationship level probably like for people like um you know uh a marriage that isn't going right you know or like um there's a maybe issues with their son or you know, things like that, uh, where there's things to latch on to uh, that really connect you with the characters. And same thing with like Hereditary. You know? For sure. Like, I mean, I, I know you didn't like it much, but like Midsommar, the whole thing's yeah. about like a bad relationship, basically. Like, yeah. and like, and also dealing with like the tragedy of like her losing her family and beginning her, you know, that like, I think that, that's my favorite part of the movie is the yeah. beginning. <laughs> yeah. It, it gets, it gets pretty weird after that. But, um, I think it's just like the horror movies that actually like focus on like the human nature of the characters are the ones that stand yeah. out. Like the supernatural stuff will happen or like there'll be a monster or like a killer or whatever. But if you have a reason to care for the characters, you're going to enjoy that stuff more. You're going to feel more. There's more at stake. Yeah. Um, that's the 100%. issue with like modern slashers is that like, oh, there's going to be creative the characters kills. Are dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like there's no reason to care about them. The killer's just going to kill them all. <laughs> like, you know, there's there needs to be some tension where They're like fodder essentially, you know, right? Yeah. You know, like th- there's so much focus on like the blood and gore, they forget that what makes the f- original Halloween so great is not because there's a high body count, it's that you you feel the dread and like fear from like these characters' perspective. And because you actually like get to know them a little bit. Um so yeah, that's you're like, behind. Um, what's yeah. the main act, the actress's name? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have something to latch onto. Yeah, like you, you want her to survive the night. Like that should be at least, at the bare minimum. You should care about somebody. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and I think that's the that's the issue with the slasher genre. But when it comes to psychological horror, it's I think it's important to have some kind of like human human emotion or theme present. I think The Shining has that with. You know, clearly it's a family on the rocks. They might be coming to this hotel to like try something different, uh, change of pace, you know, maybe fix some of the issues they're having. 
so that kind of stuff is all definitely very present in the themes of this yeah. movie. The only, uh, the one thing I want to say, like uh, we kind of talked about like A24 movies, the one uh, criticism I think I've kind of developed though from A24 films uh, is they've been, I don't know if you know, have you seen like uh, The Witch? And I have, we did, a, yeah, we did so, a podcast on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like if you take like The Witch, Hereditary, uh, not Shining, uh, Midsummer, and Lighthouse, right? Um, and I think The Lighthouse is the most recent of all of those. Um, you kind of there's like a little bit of a pattern that's developed i've noticed between all four of them where you have insert x amount of people into a situation and those people start turning on each other and yeah it's almost like a a formula and pretty much one person survives at the end and that one person kind of succumbs to whatever the thing is that's kind of like looming over them throughout the whole film like every one of them like when i went to go see the lighthouse i was like i said this exact thing i was like i bet this is what's going to happen and that is exactly what happened. <laughs> you know, I still love the movie, but I was just like, there's a bit of yeah, a pattern that's formulating. For sure. So um, I guess I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned a lot about different aspects you like about this movie, but I wanted to ask you, did you have, do you have like a favorite scene in the movie? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, probably my favorite scene is uh, that scene where, you know, Jack is kind of just following Wendy throughout that big open area, you know, and they're um, that long shot there's a kind of a scene within that scene um, where um, she's a uh, Wendy's like, you know, I think we should take Danny to a doctor, you know, or no, no, I think we should talk about Danny. And then Jack is like, yeah, I think we should talk about Danny. I think, you know, we should talk about what needs to be done with him. And, and in that small moment, like his voice is kind of distorted. And while they're talking, you see it, it cuts to the shot of the, 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 the blood coming out of the elevator and that that scene always gives me goosebumps specifically that instance in that entire scene is like my favorite little moment and throughout the whole film where you just realize like okay we're kind of past that threshold of like you know we're, we're in sinister territory like yeah uh, you know where maybe he has become possessed and mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the hotel is coming kind of like almost coming alive through him yeah I think I think after that moment the rest of the movie is probably like my favorite part of the movie just like that whole everything that ensues afterwards it's just pure chaos and um you know very thrilling to watch and you know he, he becomes very terrifying because again i think they they show that he's kind of not a great guy um, throughout the movie <laughs> and when he becomes possessed he just becomes even scarier you are concerned about him <laughs> and are you concerned about me of course you are. Have you ever thought about my responsibilities? Oh, Jake, what are you talking about? Have you ever had a single moment's thought about my responsibilities? Have you ever thought for a single solitary moment about my responsibilities to my employers? Has it ever occurred to you that I have agreed to look after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st? Does it matter to you at all? that the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me and that I have signed a letter of agreement, a contract, in which I have accepted that responsibility. You have the slightest idea what a moral and ethical principle is, do you? Yeah, I, I, don't, have, I don't have a favorite like moment. I think, I think the scene where he talks to the, I think it's like a butler or like a server in the oh, restaurant. Oh, yeah, that's all. I, I don't oh, know yeah. if it's like a favorite scene, but I love like the colors, like the use of red yeah. in that scene. Um, from a technical standpoint, that's probably my most like most interesting scene, I think. But entertainment-wise, probably just like the last like third of the movie. Just, I also like, want to give awesome. a shout out to like when he's in the ballroom, uh, just alone mm-hmm. talking to uh, the bartender. You uh-huh. know? Uh, yeah, that's I think also like a fantastic scene that's in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I have not seen Dr. Sleep, but if you had any thoughts about that film without spoiling it, uh, did you want to share them? Or if you haven't seen it, we can also move past it. Uh, yeah, I actually, um, I actually did end up watching Dr. Sleep uh, last year. Okay. Um, I, uh, yeah, general thoughts, because I don't want to spoil it for you. I personally think it is not that great. Um, this, I guess, is another hot take. I'm not a big Mike Flanagan fan. I know a lot of people. Are, okay, that um, is kind of a hot take. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've really tried. I, I really have tried. Did you watch um, <laughs> Haunting of Hill House? Yeah, like yep. that one. Uh, yeah, I didn't like I, I didn't like Blind Manor that much. So yeah, I, I watched I, Haunting of Hill House. I liked Midnight I watched, Mass though. I watched that recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like um, yeah, I watched Hill House and Blind Manor, and I watched um Doctor Sleep and uh like Hill House. I I could only get through like ha- halfway through it. Same with Blind Manor. I think the main thing for me Blind Manor is, was uh, kind of boring. I didn't really like it that much. Yeah, I think the main thing for me is honestly I don't think that his scripts are the strongest. They just feel a little um fake uh to some extent like a lot of the dialogue feels like ham-fisted and forced and doesn't feel natural to me at times uh that was like kind of my main complaint with like hill house um and like that's why kind of like it just kept bothering me i was just like uh the dialogue and this is just like not great to me um dr sleep just going back to that though um uh that movie that movie is in a weird spot because it's, it's trying to be a faithful adaptation to the novel dr sleep but it's also trying to be a faithful adaptation to the novel the shining but also it's acknowledging the film, The Shining. So it's just in this weird spot where it has to do this balancing act. Um, and I think it, it kind of takes away from the mysticism of The Shining. And it gets like way too, um, it gets way too like applicable with like what The Shining is. Like The Shining, they use it as like almost like a superpower in that film where like people are like literally like flying and like doing like all sorts of like crazy shit. And it's just like this, I don't know. It just, it just really demystifies a lot of the, beauty of like right um, the lore of, of the shining universe i guess yeah well i haven't seen it in this moment in time but i'll let you know if i ever watch it and what i think because i've heard yeah. kind of kind of mixed things about it because again I, I also heard that they were trying to like make a faithful adaptation of the book while also being a sequel to the movie and i was like that's going to be a tough act to follow considering stephen king like hates this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but um yeah and I, I i never watched it but i know stephen king tried to do his own series at one point and it, it never really took off like they yeah, made like it, a miniseries, but um, I heard it wasn't as good as the the Kubrick film, <laughs> um, which is unfortunate because you know it's. A, I think I'm a big advocate of authors writing the scripts for the books they make. Like, I'll give two examples of this. Um, I recently watched, not recently watched. I recently read uh, "Perks of Being a Wallflower" and "Gone Girl" because both those films are like among my favorite films in the last yeah, ten years. Perks. I love "Perks of Being a Wallflower," and I think the movie is better than the book for both. And mm-hmm. I think it's because the author of the the book had a hand in writing the script or actually I think they, they only wrote the script and I think they fully understood what it means to make a great book versus a movie and I think their the books are great too obviously uh, they're, they're awesome but I think they did a really good job adapting their own stories for like the film medium and I think in general it'd be cool to see more of that if, if the author is like talented enough to write a script because it's a different ballpark completely um, because the perks of being a wallflower, the book is all just like a series of letters that he writes. Like in the movie, they show a little bit of that. But in the movie, it feels more like a coming of age, typical movie. And I think it works better for what it's trying to do. Um, yeah. And I think that like uh, kind of just adding into that, I think it, it is also kind of once again, like a fine balancing act because um, some, you know, some writers are just more akin to what what is required out of us, like adapting into a media, you know, but uh, 
I think the writer of the original novels can have a better understanding of the source material because they wrote it, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like they understand the themes, they know what they want to say about the story. And I, I mean, I, I think in general, when it comes to films, the script is the backbone of the story. If the script is not good. It's very likely the movie will not be good. And that's why when like working on my own short film, I was like, I'm not going to even bother trying to shoot or cast this thing until like we know the script is good. And yeah. the writing process should take a long time. And it seems like with Kubrick, he, you know, with how methodical he was, I, I don't think he even bothered starting even thinking about it until like the script was perfect. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Just interesting, interesting way to look at it. You had mentioned that, which I had also read about this, that the movie was almost kind of like a like a misfire when it came out. People didn't really yeah. like it. Um, just looking at 1980 as a year for cinema, you know, for me, this is a, a great a good movie. Um, I think there are four films I've seen from this year currently that I think are better. Um, so I wanted to name them real quick. So The Elephant Man, that's a great film. David Lynch. Um, Airplane, comedy classic. I recently oh, yeah. saw Ordinary <laughs> People, which is actually the film that won Best Picture. Now, I think that's a great Best Picture winner. It's it's a really sad and like moving story about a also a family on the rocks, but there's just no supernatural stuff in it. It's just like a drama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hereditary minus like the demonic stuff at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a great film. And obviously the kids I'm, getting decapitated. Kids getting I mean, there is the whole plot revolves around like one of their one, there's like a family of four, one of their kids like kills themselves, and that happens all off screen. It's like movie starts and mm-hmm. the mom like loves that son more. Like it's pretty obvious. And it's just yeah. like the family coming to terms with that. It's a really, really good movie that like I had never heard of. And someone was like, I've seen Ordinary People. And I was like, no, I haven't. And I, I think it's an extraordinary movie that not many people talk about. Um, actually a pretty well-deserved Best Picture win, except Empire Strikes Back came out that year too. Yeah. And that was <laughs> the best movie of that year for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like The Shining more than Raging Bull. That's the other big movie from that year. Um, so yeah, those are some films I've seen from that year. I don't know. I like to track movies from every year because um, I'm very like, like methodical about that. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, if there's any movies you want to talk about from 1980 or even just like the 80s. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, specifically, I think the 80s in general were a golden era for movies. There's so many amazing, amazing films that come out, specifically though 1980, uh, just talking about that year. I mean, I just pulled up a list of like films. So I'm just seeing if I can recognize some. I mean, just the ones I recognize, uh, Airplane, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. One of the best comedies of all time. Like, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like, one of the best parody movies ever made. So funny. Yeah, it's so it's so good. Um, and I was not expecting that when I saw it. I was just like, uh, one of my friends was just like, hey, this is really, really good. I was like, uh, yeah, that's okay, when I'll we watched in, um, in, our, in our college dorms. And it was just it was just hilarious. It's so funny. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, I would honestly um though in terms of like best uh film i've seen from 1980 it it is probably like a toss-up between it for me between this and uh empire strikes back because yeah empire strikes back uh, i mean best star wars film uh one of the greatest films of all time one of the best sequels of all time yeah one of the best sequels of all time (laughs) i'll probably say um yeah it's up there with like um you know two towers godfather part two dark knight um you know those are probably like all like off the top of my head like the best sequels ever um uh, so it's really kind of a toss-up between i would say empire strikes back and the shining for me both yeah. fantastic films yeah for sure and i haven't seen very many films from that year but i definitely agree the 80s was a wild time for cinema and i yeah. think it, there was a mix of like serious movies that like revolutionized cinema and also like this cheesy like 
fun movies. A lot of pop think, culture. Yeah. Pop culture. Like they're, they're, you, you may have noticed like with Stranger Things and like other movies, they're really trying to capture that 80s nostalgia feeling yeah. in a lot of even even like music you know music is kind of going through like this 80s run like running it back to the 80s there's a lot of 80s sounds coming out of like popular popular music nowadays like yeah blinding lights uh levitating mm. <laughs> just yeah like kind of that bouncy pop sound yeah mm-hmm. for sure so we, you mentioned it earlier but like i wanted to ask you about the ending of this movie because i'm not fully sure of how i interpret it because it shows a picture of like jack nicholson on the yeah. wall <clears throat> Um, so yeah. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so kind of just going, uh, kind of, I guess, uh, what I mentioned earlier was, like, I think it's kind of like a, that's um almost like the hotel's, like, body count. <laughs> almost like, you know, uh, like, that's everyone that's kind of, like, succumbed to the hotels, like, kind of gets put into that photo. That's, like, my own personal interpretation of it. But I know I've seen different interpretations of, like, that's actually, like, uh, Jack Nicholson's character is actually, like, a reincarnation of a of a previous caretaker. And this caretaker keep, keeps, keeps getting reincarnated and killing people. Um, that's that's one that's another interpretation I just remember off the top of my head but um, yeah that first kind of uh, thing that I would just mentioned that's that's kind of how I view it my own personal take on it yeah I think I think that first one makes sense like just added into the photo that would definitely yeah. make sense of what's going on but again I think it's one of those open-ended endings that I actually like kind of like it's different and doesn't really change the events in the story but it might change the way you perceive certain events yeah. um, so I think that's pretty cool and how it does that Let's see. One of the one of the questions we always like to ask on the show. It's kind of a hard question, but do you think anything in the movie could be changed to make it better, or do you think it's perfect the way it is? And both answers are completely fine. So, I mean, personally, like I'm always gonna like because uh, on our show, like we do, like um, you know, like ratings, like one to ten. Um, and to me, there's there's no such thing as like quote unquote like a perfect film. Um, to me, uh, like something that reaches like ten out of ten or like uh, something like masterpiece status is like something that is either like a benchmark for the genre or, you know, uh, uh, you know, something that's just, this is something like that. Like it's a benchmark for, you know, whatever respective thing you want to put it into like genre medium um, or it's pushing something forward or it's like a staple of the genre. It's like a classic. Uh, So, you know, like, uh, so like the shining, uh, I think there's issues with it for sure. Um, But, you know, I, I would give it like something like a 10 out of 10 because I think it is like such a, I think it is like a benchmark for the, the horror genre. And I think it's like a standard uh, um, and it's been so influential, but I think there are issues with it. I mean, I think like specifically at the end, uh, I think it is a little anticlimactic with like how he just kind of dies in the maze after losing track of uh, Danny. Uh, if there's anything I would have changed, it would have been like maybe a, maybe a little bit of a different execution to that ending um that's that's what kind of comes off the top of my head but that's probably that's probably the main the main thing that whenever I think about this film like things that I would probably change yeah for me um I mean I don't think this is a perfect movie I think it's one of the most influential without a doubt um I think it's I think it's more creepy than scary um a lot of people say this is the scariest movie ever made I think that's a bit of a stretch um (laughs) (laughs) um it's definitely creepy and uncomfortable, but I don't know if I would say like, I'm not going to lose sleep after watching The Shining. I don't know. It just like doesn't scare me to that level. Um, but also, I think, as I mentioned, I, I mean, Shelley Duvall, I feel like her acting is hit or miss in some moments. Um, but besides that, I think I think I liked watching it more the second time. Um, I think it's a movie I'm more inclined to revisit after watching it again. Yeah, um, it's definitely yeah. a movie that grow. It's definitely a grower to me. And I think what makes it what I you could probably like consider... Uh, in conversation as like one of the scariest films ever is like 
yeah, I don't think the movie itself, uh, like while you're watching, you're like, oh my God, like I'm, you know, like losing sleep over this is so scary, but it's uh, like, I think- Which like is I good. Said, I don't want to watch something that's yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I think, but I think like uh, really thinking about the film afterwards, there's so many lingering questions, so much ambiguity. Uh, it's a movie that doesn't really leave your mind uh, right away. And when you do think about it, it is unsettling. I think when you think about it more and more and when you do rewatch it and you pick up new clues and new details and things like that. That's, I think, I think it, what kind of adds it's to a it's film. Scary, I think it's a film that one of those, it's one of those films that it's a lot of fun to analyze and discuss. It might not be the most entertaining movie in the world, but yeah. it's a very solid one that there's a ton to unpack. And, yeah. you know, the saying goes, they don't make them like this anymore. And it's just because they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, for sure. Okay, so before before getting to our final question, I wanted to ask you, were there anything else? Was there anything else you wanted to discuss? Or do you have any questions for me? I, yeah, one thing I want to ask you is like, what's your interpretation of the events of the movie? So from what I understand is that this family that's kind of on the rocks goes to this hotel um, with the intention of like, you know, the dad's going to focus on like his writing and um, they're like trying to get the son away from like society, I guess, because he's like acting kind of weird, um, <laughs> you know, uh, with his other voice or whatever he's doing. And I think being isolated in some kind of supernatural presence causes the dad to like become like murderous and like try to kill his family. But yeah, I think that's that's essentially what happens. And then I, I think with the ending photo, I'm not sure where I stand on that. I really like the idea of like uh, someone, the, the, they disappear in the photo after something happens. I think that makes sense to me with what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that that's what I, pretty much they go to the hotel and over time, the father like loses his mind and tries to kill his family. Yeah. Do you think anything uh, of him losing his mind has to do with like cabin fever or do you think it's like purely supernatural? I think there's a mix of both because being isolated can make you make you crazy for sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely can see why that played a part in it, but I think there's definitely something more sinister and supernatural at play too. Um, yeah, with the I'm visions kind of, they keep having with like, yeah, you know, with the two the two twins which we haven't even mentioned who just like pop in every now and then. Yeah, like, the axe murdered twins. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, that's how I would interpret it. As of at this point in time, I might need to watch it again. Um, and I, I don't know if watching Dr. Sleep will, will change my interpretation or not. So there's that as well. So our last question on the show is, um, if you had to convince someone to watch this movie, what would you tell them? And, or what's your sales pitch? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess I would say it's like, you know, if you're not someone that's like into horror films, like this, like uh, Yash was saying, it's not like a, you know, you're not going to lose sleep over this film. But I think it's a really... Um, you should watch it because one is obviously like such a staple of pop culture, you know, there's so many relevant scenes that come from this film, but I think also it's a great showcase for Stanley Kubrick as a director, you know, um, how ahead of the times he was um, just his, I feel like a lot of his uh, style, you can, you know, is really present in this film. Uh, And I think it's a great blueprint. And um, especially, I think, you know, just off that, if you're not a horror film fan, I think this is just a great film in its own regard, just worth watching. Um, Just like the collapse of this family, um, there's a lot of ambiguity and uh, things you can dive into and not just like the making of this film, but um, just the film itself. Um, it's very deep, uh, like it's a rabbit hole of a film. Um, but as a horror fan, I think if you're a horror fan, you know, you, if you're probably like a big horror fan of movies coming out these days, you know, I think this is a great film to watch because this is like almost like a really like a precursor, or like a predecessor, really like laid the foundation for a lot of the great horror films coming out today. And I think that's uh, 
uh, you know, one of the reasons why I love this film, you know, I'm not a big horror fan, but like as a fan of, you know, the art of filmmaking and filmmaking in general, you know, I think this film is like really important to the medium uh, and just an entire genre, you know, which you can't say that about a lot of films, you know, where this film is like this really like this staple watch of an entire genre. Uh, so that's kind of, I guess, my pitch movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would say something similar. I mean, I, it's very influential. It's a part of pop culture. You're going to catch a lot more references and other things if you watch this film. Yeah. Um, I, I personally have a, I'm a big fan of psychological horror films and, this is one that clearly influenced so many of them. Yeah. Um, it has the right level of ambiguity and like there's lots to discuss if you're really into that kind of thing. But if you just want to watch a movie, um, and I wouldn't say you should watch the movie casually, you should definitely like tune in <laughs> and watch it. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot to analyze here, and it's it's entertaining and it's you know, it's really well directed. It's a movie that like it's one of those movies everyone's seen, you know, you kind of have to watch it if you haven't watched it, just yeah. to like have an opinion on it. There's so many of those films that have really, and a lot of Stanley Kubrick's films are just part of history at this point. And as someone who appreciates film and cinema, I think this is one of those movies that you can love it or hate it, but you should watch it at least once, maybe twice. Um, so yeah. yeah, I would say it's so just definitely have an opinion on the film. Like yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna walk out, walk yeah. out of it and be like, uh, like whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no one's gonna. You're gonna, you're gonna have a reaction to this film, whether it's positive or negative. You're gonna have some kind of your brain's going to be working when you watch it. You're not mm -hmm. going to be like, just, it's not like a mindless horror film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a very unique story. Um, again, it's like, it's one of those movies that didn't necessarily follow the book well, but it made a movie that honestly more people talk about than the book. So yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's really cool and interesting. Wendy, I'm home. We have reached the end of today's discussion on The Shining. Uh, I wanted to thank Arsul for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. Um, it was great being on here. Uh, maybe we'll do this again. Definitely we'll you know, try to have you on Controller Cast. So fans of Cinema Convos, like look out for that because uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be a nice little cross collab. Um, yeah, yeah, for great. sure. And I'll, I'll, I will be, um, I'll be linking um, Controller Cast this episode. So be on the lookout for that whenever you watch this. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we'll definitely have you back. We you sent us a, you sent us a pretty big list of movies you'd like to discuss, so we'll have you back for sure. Yeah, it was great having a convo uh, with another cinephile like you. Thanks, Yash. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from all of us at Cinema Convos, uh, thank you, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay up to date on new episodes. And we hope you tune in next time. <laughs>